Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Happy 2019, Nationals fans. I hope you guys had a great holiday season and a very happy new year. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, back on the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul, it has been a minute since we talked um, on the on the pod for I, the Nationals. I don't get that expression at all. Where did that come from? It's been a minute? It's Because you know why what? would you pick be... such a short amount of time to say it's a long amount of time? That's a good question. It's a local thing, I think. I think it's the DMV. I've heard, I've heard it everywhere, though. Really? Even yeah. back up in Philly? Yeah, back in up in Philly and Syracuse. Huh. Okay. It's been a minute, which yeah. to me, wouldn't you say it's been, oh, it's been, been 10 years. Yeah. We've heard it, it's been since now. I've been saying that my entire, I don't know. I never questioned it either. It's been way more than a minute, Bobby. Just to show how much I know about time length. Yeah. I mean, geez, I don't get that expression at all. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyways, okay, fine. <laughs> I rephrase it my- It has been weeks, Bobby. <laughs> it has been weeks. It has been a month since we yeah. spoke last almost. Pretty um, much. Way back before the- Winter meetings. Actually, our probably our last podcast was recapping uh, Winterfest, right? Right before we left for uh, Las Vegas. This is true. Yeah. yeah, and wow, what a time Vegas was. Let me. Oh tell you. my gosh, it was it was a great week. Actually, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Um, some news happened at the end. Um, we just wanted to, since we haven't talked to you, loyal listeners, for so long, we yeah. just want to kind of recap the end of 2018, and then also kind of set up the beginning of 2019, heading into spring training, guys. Spring training is a month and a half away. It is. Pitchers and catchers report pretty soon, so yeah. that's pretty exciting. Um, Real quick, Bobby. Yeah. How much did you lose in Vegas in terms of gambling, do you think? So I lost it all. <laughs> is that a f- <laughs> My house, yeah. my kids, everything. No, I, you know, so my, I, don't, I don't do Vegas very often, mm-hmm. I, um, but when I do... I I'm also not a big gambler. Big. No, okay. I'm also not a big gambler. So I always I do the approach of like I'm bringing X amount of money to mm-hmm. gamble on and wh- whatever I do with it that's what happens if I right. if I double whatever if I win I win and if I lose it all I lose it all I'm okay with losing this amount of money okay. if I do lose it and that's what happened <laughs> so how uh, so did, I, dare I, I, ask? I I did well, 100 bucks oh okay uh, I yeah, split two fifty dollar bets on the Redskins and the Raiders at Sunday oof I split them so I broke even oh okay because the Raiders won Raiders won wow which is how did that happen they beat the they beat the Steelers I think the Steelers lost three in a row that's crazy whatever um, Redskins got crushed um, and then I lost it all on the blackjack table the last night we were there <laughs> nice yeah yeah I I you know tried my hand at some yeah. blackjack yeah fun Bobby teaching me not really yeah uh, <laughs> lost what like sixty dollars I think nah, not too bad uh, yeah and then uh, played the slot machines with our social media manager Olivia. Uh, I lost all of my twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. She won one hundred and eighteen dollars. Um, Vegas, baby. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't get what the tough part was going to Vegas during the holiday season. So it's like yeah. I have to also. I mean, this is money that probably could have been spent on gifts on, for yeah, yeah. family and friends. Yep. And I chose to spend it on gambling. We don't have kids to worry about. Or I don't have kids, but I mean, I have a what. Sister, parents, a lot of cousins. This is true. I went to a wedding too, right after Vegas. So yeah. like, had to spend money there. Yeah, yeah. but you know, open bar. Yeah, the wedding. Yes, okay. yes, but you know, it was a long weekend, so yeah, spending money sure. elsewhere. Also, um, but when in Rome. Also, when we were in Vegas, being there in the National Rodeo, 
uh, yeah, that NFR. Was, it was a rodeo event. Like conference? I don't know. There yeah. were there were rodeo. There event. were cowboys everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> I remember Paul. You turned to me one time. And was like, are there always this many cowboy hats yeah. in Las Vegas? And I was like, no, this is bizarre. Even for for Vegas. Yeah, I want to get this number right. There were about forty one thousand cowboy hats. Sounds, sounds about right. Um, That's what I had walking too. around. So there were a lot. Well, how of cowboys. do you do, man? Uh, I I also I tell you what. I, I one of the nights, Bobby. Quick anecdote: I went out with some friends that live in Vegas to a an area that was heavily pop, oh, populated okay. by some rodeo people. And I was talking to my female friend, and uh, this large mustachioed man with a cowboy hat came up and said, uh, "Are you going to ask her to dance, or am I going <laughs> to have to do it for you?" Uh, Those are the worst. Yeah, I had to explain to him. I mean, he was polite about it, but I had to explain to him, "No, she's my friend's girlfriend." think you're gonna have to take it up with him <laughs> yeah of course though i was much less calm than i am now explaining this yeah uh, no, i can see so it. that uh yeah what a what an experience vegas was you uh i'm i'm a diehard redskins fan you're a diehard eagles fan mm-hmm. and i think we we're both equally triggered by the Cowboys. just the <laughs> presence of cowboys uh, yeah, yeah nothing yeah. to do with the team it's just when i see that hat i'm like oh you stupid cowboys. yeah it's just it serves something in me bobby yeah yeah. Um, hey, congrats on uh, making the playoffs Thank for the you. Eagles back Go in Birds. the Redskins. Uh, let's talk about baseball. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big news in terms of the Nats that just popped up, you know, we had to talk about the Tanner Roark trade still yep. uh, signing Annabelle Sanchez. But, you know, over the past couple of days, news that the Nationals are kind of back in on Bryce Harper yeah. in the free agent market. And, Paul, I want to take this conversation two separate ways. First, let's talk about what's going on, the reports about the Nationals meeting with Bryce again and what that means for uh, the Nationals and Bryce's future, mm-hmm. possibly returning to D.C., and then also just the general conversation about why the market, why it's taking so long for Bryce Harper and yeah. Manny Machado to not only sign, but it seems like to just get offers. Yeah. It feels like we haven't even heard about these guys have got legit offers yet. Yeah. Um, so it seems uh, Jeff Passan, now of ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, reported that the Nationals – Met with uh, or Nationals owner Ted Lerner met with Scott Boris and Bryce Harper several um, times. Several times, quote unquote. Um, and the uh, Washington Post, Chelsea Janes confirming that mm-hmm. and also saying that they met before Christmas for about five hours. The yeah. Saturday before Christmas for about five hours. Paul, obviously, in winter at the winter meetings in Las Vegas, we heard from Mike Rizzo every day, uh, and then we heard from Scott Boris during his annual scrum, which I'm. Counting down the days to again for next year. Um, <laughs> your favorite time of oh, the year. I hate that scrum. Um, your takeaway, just the whole situation from yeah. hearing that, you know, Lerner, Ted Lerner saying on the radio that they're basically, he's not expecting him to yeah. come back, to Mike Rizzo saying the doors never closed, to Scott Boyd confirming that, and then now hearing that they meet, they met again. Yeah. What an about face, I yeah. will say. What a turnaround from what we heard right before the winter meetings. Mark Lerner essentially saying, we're out on him, uh, basically saying on his in his interview with 106.7 The Fan that the 10-year, $300 million contract that they offered was, quote, the best we could do. He said, I don't expect him to be come back at this point. There's so much money out there that he'd be leaving on the table, end quote. But he came back. I don't know what it was. I don't know exactly if, if he was using that as a negotiation tactic. It they actually had more money that they were willing to offer, and they were really just hoping Scott Boris and Bryce Harper picked up the phone and called them again. I don't know exactly what happened, 
Uh, none of us will probably know, uh, at least until Bryce Harper signs somewhere. But what a turnaround. And I think Nationals fans, I know a lot of them were already selling their natural. Basically, like they were so done and figured this, there was no chance Bryce Harper was going to come back after those quotes. And even Lerner even threw in a quote like, Bryce Harper was a great player, I'm paraphrasing, and we were blessed to have him. We were lucky to have him. But now they're, they're back in. The door is, is actually still open. They're still meeting with him and talking. They have his ear. This is still a legit possibility, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just the little dance they're doing. Um, yeah. And, and not surprising to me, honestly. It's just we're, we're talking about an iconic player in Bryce Harper, a, a guy who's going to command a record-breaking amount of money. Um, and, you know, it's just... I think it's just the way these things go. Even when I think I will admit, when we heard Mark Leonard say that on the radio, it was kind of like, "Whoa!" The even yeah. the owner is saying, "Like, yeah. like we thought." I thought personally, like, "Hey, maybe Mike Rizzo probably doesn't think this would be smart to spend this much money on one player." Right. But we know how much ownership loves Bryce Harper, and they exactly. would probably want to. And then now he's saying no. So yeah. That was kind of a shock. Um, Especially because Lerner has been known to deal directly with Boris. Right, and, and I think that's where this, you know. Now that we know that he has personally met yeah. again with Scott and Bryce, that's telling. Cause mm-hmm. I, and I, I believe I believe Mike Rizzo when he said, you know, doors never closed. Yeah. And and Scott Boris said the same thing. It's just with a player like Bryce Harper, you can never close it. And and him, it being his, you know, quote unquote hometown team. Yeah. Um I, the door is never closed just because, you know, with a guy like him, you should never close the door on him. Yeah. You, should, you should never be at, fully out on him right. because he is such a transient player and can, you know, be the face of a franchise for his entire career. Um, and he, obviously he struggled this year, but when he's healthy and playing, he's one of, if not the best players in the league, yeah. a former MVP. It's just a guy you can't give up on until he, he chooses to sign yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's just... First off, what do you talk about for five hours? Like, what do you talk about? You've already met at least once. What are you guys doing for Christmas? Right. You get get the pleasantries out of the way in the first ten minutes, I think. And then you get down to... What could you talk about for five hours? I mean, I know you can can go through negotiating stuff like buying out clauses and, you know, and uh, opt-ins and... And, uh, you know, deferred money and all this stuff. But five hours, the amount of time that these guys meet with these players is just mind-boggling. It really <laughs> like, is. They are really getting into it. And, we and know, I know they're big decisions, but yeah, still. Yeah, and we know Scott Boris is, like, selling Bryce Harper. You yeah. Know, he, and we we know about it. He's got his binder with he said all this. thousands of yeah, pages. All very, this. Very graphic images, as right, he said. Yes, and all these <laughs> statistics and numbers and images, I guess. Mm. But it's like, it's Bryce Harper. How much do you really have to sell him? Yeah. Uh, any team would love to have him. Especially to Mark Lerner, yeah. who knows this right. guy more than it. Like, he knows everything yeah. there is to know about. I think it honestly just speaks to the five hours thing, just speaks to this relationship. It, yeah. We, we, we've known that this has been a, a deep relationship between Boris and the Learners yeah. for a long time. And I think it just goes to show, hey, you know, they, they really enjoy each other's company. They like right. doing business with each other. And, yeah, I don't want to put too much hope in the Nats fans mm-hmm. who wanted to see Bryce Harper come back, but I would take that as a good sign that hey, this is probably could get done. Yeah, and you know if they wouldn't meet for five hours if there wasn't, you know, you got to figure within the first forty-five minutes that okay, <laughs> this isn't going to work. Yeah, let's yeah. call it. Let's just call it. 
you exactly. know what it is. Uh, but for five hours, pro- like you said, probably mentioning a lot of yeah. opt-outs, the deferred money, what's going to... What's it going to take? How far are you willing to go? How far are we willing to go? Yeah. Stuff like that. So, I mean, it's for, for Nats fans who like to see Bryce Harper be in the Nats uniform for the majority part of his career or for the foreseeable future, probably a good sign. Yeah, I would think so as well. I, I think they honestly just vaulted back to the front runner for him. I mean, yeah. for the longest time, you and I have said, hey, the Nats of the individual teams, they probably had the best shot, but I think the pool yeah. like, of other teams has the better shot. I, I think right now the Nats maybe have taken over like 50% of the chance to get him. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, just... Because no other team... Sorry, I keep cutting off, Paul. No, but no, no other no. team has this relationship between owner and yeah. agent and player like the learners have. And yeah. that's their biggest advantage. Yeah. And we haven't seen... We've heard reports, you know, of all these teams meeting with him. But we've heard... The only offers that we've officially heard reported are... Is the Nationals one? I don't. I, I don't think we've heard no. any other formal offer. The only one we've heard is White Sox making an offer to Manny Machado. We haven't heard any number figures. We haven't heard anything. So I think it's interesting, and I think people, a lot of people, were reading the tea leaves after the Dodgers made the Asiel Puig trade right. to say they're clearing space, they're clearing out the outfield for, for Bryce Harper. Maybe that is what prompted Mark Lerner to pick up the phone. Maybe he was the one who prompted it. Maybe Boris said, oh, we're getting a lot of heavy interest from the Dodgers. Let's just check, circle back with the Nationals, see if they want to improve their offer. Whoever it was, that might have sparked something because that was the first time we really saw any team make you know do anything that seems remotely like they're pushing towards Bryce Harper. It's been so slow, such a slow drip of information. And we heard all the – in Las Vegas was rumors, of, oh, you know, Magic Johnson and, and the, and the yeah, Dodgers and ownership are going to go meet with him in Vegas, and that never happened. Yeah. And then, I mean, now the only team we can confirm – I mean, sure, they've been in contact, but the mm-hmm. only team we can confirm have been in meetings with yeah. Boris and Bryce Camp – are the learners and the yeah. nationals. Um, although I was reading uh, Byron Kerr's article about these reports on MassinSports.com, and he said that NBC Sports Philadelphia has yeah. confirmed that the Phillies have plans to meet with them mm-hmm. in Las Vegas in the coming weeks. Yep. So that'll be the only – that's only team number two, yeah. and we're in January already. So, yeah, it's an interesting little tango and dance that Boris and Bryce are doing with their suitors. Yeah, it's, it's going to be I, – I don't know when this is going to happen. Um, I – have made an official guess of January 21st. 13th. 13th, is that your thinking? You said Bryce first, right? No, I said Manny first. You always said Manny on first. On the okay. Orioles podcast, Manny first. I think Manny's going to happen on January 15th. Okay. Just literally 13th. throwing numbers out there. And I think uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is when Bryce Harper signs January 21st. Heard it here first. But we don't know where. No, no idea where. No also, idea where. total guess. Just right. pulled that number out of the top of my head. Right. So you bring up Manny Machado, and, and on the Orioles' side of the National Access podcast, we had a conversation about why is this market, or why at least these two specific players yeah. taking so long? I mean, uh, and you feel like the overall market is being slow. Yeah. You also feel like it's being even slower than last year's. I sort of disagree, I think. We have seen signings. It's moving. It's just n- not moving as – it doesn't seem like it's moving right. as fast because the two biggest birds are still out there. Yeah. You know, like their two biggest guys are still – and they're and they're not close. Like you said, they're not close to signing. We've heard two reported offers, one for each guy, and that's about it. Yeah. And not even meetings aside from the learners. Um, 
with with uh, the, with Bryce. So, what's your take on just the general movement of of the market this off season? And is that good for baseball? Yeah, I think it's bad. I think it's it's bad for baseball. Um, we see you look at the the NBA, you look at the NFL. Those are two leagues that have commanded a lot of attention um, with the start of their free agent period. And I know they're salary capped leagues, so teams can only spend a certain number. Uh, on these guys and they can only commit a certain they've in the nba they have the max contract you know that they can only give lebron james x number of years x number of money per year that kind of stuff so baseball is different because bryce harper can say i want 1200 1200 that's That's not a lot lot of money (laughs) i want 700 (laughs) yeah 700 million i want a billion dollars just wait for that number to come back down and he can wait forever if he wants I thought it was interesting. I read an article on NBCSN Washington uh, by our good friend Todd, who talked about should there be a an expiration date for free agency? Should it be January first? Every major free agent, if you're going to sign guys to major league contracts, you know, nor minor league deals, has to be done by the end of the previous year, so that all these teams have their guys at the start of the new year. It creates a frenzy at midnight on New Year's, or maybe you pick a day a couple days before the 28th or whatever it is, so everybody's checking their phones at midnight, or you pick four, you know, to create some kind of hype for this. Because we saw last year, J.D. Martinez, who almost, well, should have been in the MVP conversation for the Boston Red Sox, didn't show up at the Red Sox facility until several days into spring training right. because he hadn't signed a contract with them yet because yeah. he hadn't been offered what he wanted and hadn't put pen to paper. That's crazy. And that's, uh, it's bad. I think for baseball in terms of the players, because I think they have not as much negotiating power and leverage as they would like. And I think it's bad for the business of baseball and selling baseball, the marketing side of baseball. Yeah. I, I that's a great point. I, I could not agree with you more because yeah, make it an event of it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, especially like of all years this year, you yeah. know. Could you imagine if you pick a date and that day's like, all right, we know Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to sign today. Yeah. Like they have to. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's for like it's like the trade deadline. Right. Why don't you have that kind of hype and frenzy around free agency that you do with the the trade deadline at 4 p.m. that day is nuts. Yeah. It's awesome. It's exactly and everyone's what you talking want. about baseball. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's exactly what baseball needs. Yeah. And like like you said the free agencies for the NFL and the NBA. I mean, I'm I love the NFL. I'm not a big NBA guy. I prefer mm. college basketball, but NBA free agency is bananas. Yeah. It's literally insane. Yeah. So it's fun to watch and tune into and say, oh my God, this guy's going there. This guy's going, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. So yeah, why not make an event of it? Uh, and um, if you're not going to put a salary cap on on the teams, you know, put a deadline then. Right. You know, put a, put a limit to where how long this can drag out. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, the last thing Major League Baseball wants is Bryce Harper and or Manny Machado signing in late February, early March. Yeah. Because then it's spring training all – Local fans are focusing on their own teams yep. instead of the the larger market. Exactly, and so it's just not. And also, you're getting into the closer to like March Madness. Yeah, golf season's picking up. The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. The beginning of February. Uh, you yeah. know, and uh, NBA and NHL playoffs are coming up. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this is a time period right now. Yeah. There's no playoff. Well, NFL playoffs starting right now, but there's no like, it's only one week yeah. on the weekends. There's nothing going on during the week. Right. Where you can, can you can command the attention of the sports world in right. this country yeah why not pick there's also remember there's like a week between I, i'm getting into very specific now but like 
there was a week between the the championship games, conference championship games, and the Super Bowl, and everyone talks about that Sunday, what to do with it, where they put the Pro Bowl there. What if baseball tried to steal that spotlight from football and said that Saturday night or that's that. Thursday or whatever it is at at 4 p.m. That's when guys have to sign. That's a brilliant idea. I mean, and and not much. You know, you have college basketball regular season. You have NBA regular season. Nothing has really picked up steam at that point. Why not pick a day like that? But I don't think it's going to happen at at any point soon. Um, But collective bargaining agreement in 2021 could change things. It's the same idea with like why they chose to do winter meetings, Paul. We've talked about the winter meetings. It's kind of an outdated event because it used to be to bring all the gms together to like talk in person and try to make deals or meet with agents and players yeah but now that's all done digitally it's all done on the phone or email whatever so they don't really necessarily have to do this event but the mlb still does it because it brings attention to the sport for an entire week during the off season when it's quiet on every other sport yeah so why not do it again turn of the calendar right before spring training starts yeah exactly Uh, that's a brilliant idea i like that idea a lot i feel like we've been talking about this for way too long let's talk about Tanner Roark and Anibal Sanchez. All right, let's uh, do it. Uh, Tanner Roark was traded during winter meetings, even when Mike Rizzo said nothing in, imminent, nothing imminent. Hours later, less than what, like four hours later or something? Was it four? I don't even think it was four. I think yeah. it was like two. Um, he ended up trading Tanner Roark to the Reds, got back Tanner Rainey. Clearly, I think this was very much motivated by a salary dump. Um, I think they wanted to get him and his projected 10 plus million off their books. To me, Tanner Roark contributed a lot. I know he had two back-to-back poor seasons and down years, but just sheer, the sheer amount of innings that the Nationals are losing between Tanner Roark and Gio Gonzalez, these guys threw a ton of innings over the over their careers in general. These guys were workhorses. You look at last year, Gio gave you 200 or sorry, 2 years ago, 2017, Gio gave you over 200 innings pitched. Tanner Roark was good for almost 200 every year. You're replacing nearly 400 innings a season. Yeah. And you are replacing them with Patrick Corbin, who obviously can be an ace, as we've seen. Um, And you sign Anibal Sanchez. But those guys are 29 and 35. And they haven't proven to be as durable or as consistent as Gio Gonzalez or Tanner Roark. But better. But they have the potential, I think. The higher ceilings. Yeah. And that's my... And that's... You said... You think it's a salary dump move? I, I thought the Tanner Roark move, especially considering they got a reliever back, mm-hmm. a minor league reliever. To me, that means they thought they could get a better, another free agent pitcher right. out there better than Tanner Roark. Yeah. Um, had they, if it was a clean salary dump, I think they would have gotten a starter back in, instead of a reliever okay. or tried to get a starter back. Um, but to me, that means, hey, you know, thank you, Tanner, but, you know, you. You were good for us, but that's about as good as you th- we think you're going to get. We think we can get a little better mm-hmm. um, for the next couple of years somewhere else, um, and then maybe for a cheaper price than the $10 million you're yeah. going to be owed this season. But I think that's interesting, Bobby, because you talk about, you know, are these guys actually upgrades? Are Patrick Corbin and, and um, Anibal Sanchez definitely upgrades? And we've seen Corbin, especially the last year, he was a true ace yep. last year. He was uh, in the Cy Young conversation. He was everything that they ex- hoped he would be. That didn't come until age 29 season. And I know he had two previous all-star appearances. I think for him, as well as Anibal Sanchez, who last year had a terrific year, uh, but with Detroit really struggled, especially 2016-17, 2016-17, 10 and 20 with a 6.09 ERA. Last year turned it all around, seven and six, two point eight three ERA. 
with the with the uh, Braves. Two guys I think that have higher ceilings than the guys they already had in the the building with Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark, but I don't think they're as consistent as those no, two guys. No, definitely not as consistent. Definitely not as durable. Yeah, um, like you said, four hundred innings between the two of them, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I will never. And we, we were Tanner and Geo guys. You know, you, we always wanted to see them succeed. They're great yeah. guys in the clubhouse. I mean, you got to respect a guy that can go out and pitch every five days throughout the entire season. That's, yeah. that's pretty admirable. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Nationals' thinking is these guys' ceilings are higher, especially Patrick Corbin. Obviously, I'm, I'm talking more about Sanchez because Sanchez, again, the age thing is different. Um, kind of sets him behind in terms of, like, you know, he yes, he's probably a little bit better skill wise, yeah. but he's getting up there. So how much longer can he sustain this? Exactly. Whereas Tanner Roark is younger, he probably has more years available yeah. to him. But you know, it's you're kind of, I guess, trading quality in the short term mm. for durability in the long run. Right. So, um, and and you know, we've seen the Nationals have said, you know, we have to be better this year. We got to get back into contention for the NL East. Got to get back to the playoffs, mm. win a playoff series, and. And we know how much Mike Rizzo values starting pitching. And, you know, the rotation was not good enough last yeah. year. So he's doing a whole revamp. And um, um, I think they're banking on – and we, we've we seen the Nationals and Mike Rizzo do this before. This guy had a great year this past season. Mm-hmm. They're banking on him to do it again at least for next year and the year after and maybe 2021 right. too. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because this rotation is uh, – that was already a veteran staff is already, I think, older now at yeah. this point. You look at the average age of the national staff. If they go in with these five pitchers, the, the four that pr- are previously mentioned, and then let's throw in Joe Ross, who's 25. The average age of those five starting pitchers is over 30 years old. It's 30.6 years old. You compare that with the two teams that are most likely to challenge the nationals in the division, the Phillies and Braves. Phillies' average age of their rotation, if they don't make any big changes, and they might, 26.8 and the Braves are 26.6. Nationals are spending a lot of money on a lot of veteran, older guys. And there's a four-year difference right there, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you throw in Steven Strasburg, who is 30 years old, not very durable at this point in his career, and it, it's just, it has, I like I said, I think it still has a very, very high ceiling if all of these guys work out, but I just would have concerns about durability. Yeah, durability is... Always a question, especially for starting pitching, mm-hmm. um, because I mean we saw with Strasburg or pitching in general with Strasburg yeah. uh, for extended period of time, this rotation struggled, and with Sean Doolittle out for extended period of time, the bullpen struggled. Yeah. So I mean, obviously that's the case with any player, but pitching especially because it's just they're so fragile in terms of like you got, you have to be careful with them. I'm not yeah. calling them like weak players or anything, right, but right. it's just like the arm is such a delicate part of the yeah. body. And these guys make a lot of money and make their living off it. So you, one thing goes wrong, you kind of really have to be careful in terms yeah. of how you handle it. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. Sanchez mentioned, um, actually, no, sorry, Mark uh, Mark Zuckerman, MassSports.com, mm-hmm. mentioned how much Sanchez, the reason he did so well last year, revamped his his career, mm-hmm. is he changed the way he pitched. Yeah, um, he started throwing a lot fewer fastballs and mm-hmm. sinkers and started throwing more cutters. Uh, yeah. He went, his fastballs and sinkers dropped by about, uh, let's see, 12%. Yeah. Um, and then he's, he threw his cutter about 15% more often. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the thing when you get to this age, 35 years old, 
we've we've heard Max Scherzer talk about this before. You know, you gotta get to a point. You gotta keep changing the way you get guys out because you can't just obviously your arm is only going to be so strong for so long. Mm. You need to be able to get guys out different ways. Um, and I think Sanchez is realizing, hey, you know, it's I can't blow these guys away anymore. I need to be really good at my placement, and that's how I'm going to get guys out because if I can place the ball where I really want it to go, then the guys are going to swing and miss or ground out. And, yeah. and that's the way he has to approach the game. And we'll see if that pays off for him in the next couple of years in D.C. And two, one factor that has brought together that you can link together Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez, the two guys that the Nationals signed, is – they both had career years last year, kind of not out of nowhere, but significant. They took significant strides last year, and both of them made big changes to the way they pitch, the type of pitches that they throw, their arsenal. Both those guys had career years, and they're hoping that those changes that they made to their arsenal maintain them and stay, and that they're not just, oh, they were surprising hitters. You know, maybe Anibal Sanchez was surprising hitters because they hadn't seen the cutter a whole lot on film. Or maybe Patrick Corbin and his, uh, what is his his signature pitch, his, his changeup or slider? Slider. His slider, maybe, you know, maybe hitters hadn't seen his slider and they were surprised by it. Mike Rizzo is thinking, no, these are pitches that can last. They're pitches that are still going to be getting guys out near the end of their contracts. And these changes are for real. These approaches to the way they're pitching is, yeah. is gonna how, how is how they're gonna sustain their careers exactly. and, and keep their careers going. Um, and we even saw in the second half of last season, Tanner Roark did a similar thing. I mean, we, I mean, Byron Kerr did a great article on mm-hmm. how Brandon Kinsler had helped him kind of revamp the way he's approaching hitters yeah. and pitching in, in, in a different way to get better results. Yeah, and, and so that's just. You know, just the evolution of the game, the evolution as a player. I mean, any sport, you have to always continue to get better, change the way you go things because, uh, you know, the game always evolves. Yeah. And so, you know, especially for a pitcher, if you're the way you're getting older, your arm may not be as strong as it was five, six years ago. You got to find a different way to get yeah. guys out. And I think Sanchez has found that. Another interesting factor, though, is also Kurt Suzuki, who yep. caught him last year in, yeah. in Atlanta. He's coming, has a familiar catcher. Um, and, and that's, uh, we've talked about how much that relationship means between catcher and pitcher. Um, and so I think that's another factor that helps him uh, in terms of being comfortable here in DC and also maintaining that success that he found last year. He caught 16 of Anibal Sanchez's 25 starts with the Braves last year and new catcher as well. Jan Gomes, he's going to have to get to know everybody on this staff, including Anibal Sanchez, a lot of moving pieces that they're adding here. Yeah. And I, and I would expect Suzuki probably to catch a lot of Sanchez's starts yeah. early on. But, yeah, Jan Gomes is going to have to obviously get to know him too and, and work. But also that relationship between Gomes and Suzuki mm-hmm. works too. It's like, hey, Suzuki, like, hey, he likes, you know, in these situations yeah. throwing this pitch and this or against this guy, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, again, communication is key. Yeah. And it's going to take time to see where this rotation is. And, and maybe, who knows, maybe the Nats will add one more guy. Maybe they'll try to bring, bring back a Jeremy Hellickson yeah. uh, as an insurance policy. Maybe Eric Fetty will somehow steal Joe Ross's spot in the starting rotation. A lot of stuff can still happen. That is, that's the whole point of uh, minor league deals with yeah. invitation to major league spring training. Anything else you want to add, Bobby? We've talked quite a lot. We have. I mean, we had a lot to talk about. We had a whole month to recap. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good. That's about it. Cool. Month and a half until spring training starts. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, obviously, stay with the Mass on All Access podcast in terms of all the Bryce Harper happenings. At Bobby underscore Blanco for me. At Paul Mancano for Paul on the Twitter spheres. 
And um, Mass and All Access podcast can be found on SoundCloud.com slash Mass and All Access, also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Give us a follow, um, subscribe, like, comment along, let us know what you think. Let us know where you think Bryce Harper is going to sign and what you think about the Tanner Roark trades and Annabelle Sanchez signing. Uh, for Paul, I'm Bobby. We'll catch you next time. 